the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome to another edition of The Advocate. I'm your host, Nick Phillips, and I'm here with... Kathy Lux. Nice to be here. Kathy, good having you here as always. So, how, how are you, Nick? Oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Winter good. is upon us. I can't wait for spring to come back. I know. It's, <laughs> it's not fun. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, you know, here we are in um, the middle of October... And uh, we're talking with one of our favorite uh, county council persons, Nan Baker. Nan, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. It's always good to be back and give you an update of what we're doing. Hi, Nan. Hi, Kathy. Good to hear you from you. It's so good that you're joining us today. It, uh, well, thank you. It's good that, that you're joining us. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with regard to the county, uh, with the billion-plus-dollar budget, we always like hearing from Nan as far as uh, what, what are the issues out there, because when the county council breathes and takes an action, it's always involving millions of dollars one way or the other. And uh, so uh, in, in the next couple of minutes, let's talk about the one topic that's been out there for quite a while, and that's the county jail. That's tearing down the existing Justice Center jail and building a new one. What's happening? Well, it is, anyone who's watching Cuyahoga County Council um, is following this, and uh, it came to a kind of an abrupt halt. The um, deliberation has been for several months, if not actually a couple of years, of deliberating over building a new jail or actually renovating the jail that's there in the tower. And we um, determined through an independent study, uh, again, I think it was the third time, because there were some still saying, can't we renovate the existing jail and tower? And the answer came back the same, no, you cannot um, renovate it. It's just uh, in need of too much um, structural repair, and uh, it is would cost the same or more, and never give you what it is that you're looking for if building a new jail. So that was finally put to bed that uh, it cannot be renovated. But the new jail, which has been also talked about for quite a while, um, finally came to a halt. And unfortunately, it was, for the most part, because it became political. We're in a political season right now. We're only a few weeks away from Election Day. And... um, you know, lots of talk about whether it was too toxic of a site, whether it can be remediated, um, where it's located, uh, the cost of, of obtaining it, all of the different things that were really answered throughout the course of talking mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. deliberating just kept coming back to um, to the same questions that we finally just had to put it to a halt. Um, the judges in the court were very adamant that they were not pleased with building a new jail and building it on the site that was proposed. And uh, finally, and the two executives that are running for office also chimed in and had concerns. So we finally just had to say, um, 
we're going to wait. We're only a few weeks away from the election. Let the new executive come in, chime in, be a member of this. As I said in public, there's a difference between campaigning and serving. So, well, that, that's for sure. Well, and so, Nan, I, I guess I'm really curious to know, and after the break, maybe you can uh, explain it more. I want to know what's actually wrong with the current jail. What, well, what, why it's lacking. And don't attempt an answer on that because we have to take a short break right. now. We're going to take a short break. All right. This is Nick Phillips along with Kathy Lux. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to The Advocate here on WHK. Don't go away. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with Kathy Lux. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Nick. We're, we're back again. Hi, Nan. And Nan Baker is with us. Good to be back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, talking to Nan Baker about the Justice Center, you know, as a practicing lawyer here for, oh, so many years on my part, uh, the Justice Center always included the courts and included the jail and with all the criminal cases going there in the courts, that uh, there's a constant movement of prisoners from the jail to the courtroom, from the courtroom back to the jail. If we're talking about splitting that up, we're not going to have any jail facilities around the courthouse, or where where are you going to put the criminal courts? Well, that was part of the conversation. I mean, the the first and most important piece of of talking about the jail and the courthouse was to make sure that we had a jail. They only estimate it lasting for maybe another five years, and that's with investing money to keep it habitable. But um, it is not um, at a point now where uh, it, it is, we're just throwing good money after bad. And so the decision to move forward on the new jails has become very imminent. And um, you know, so. each month that we wait is, is more money that we need to keep the new jail keep the existing jail occupable and still um, look for, you know, another place for, for inmates to be. So, so Nan, g- give me an, a, a feel here for what, like, what is it about the jail that is no longer functional? What, what are the issues? Well, the um, three questions that the um, independent study were asked about the existing jail was whether or not uh, it can be renovated and whether it meets the new standards of what um, the state will approve for when you renovate a jail or build a new jail. So things have changed. This jail, this uh, courthouse is about, I think it's 40 plus years old. So it is um, outlived its life. And can we meet finally the objectives of what a new jail can bring and things like the government regulations are that you have to have larger cells. And if we have larger cells, then we have to uh, diminish the amount of beds that are in there. And, and that we have about average about 15 to 1800 inmates. Um, and right now we have about 1900 beds. So we are at capacity in that, in that building and to expand it to meet government standards it would be next to impossible. I mean, there really isn't a, a, a rational way to expand that existing jail if we were to renovate it. Also, lighting is a big issue. There aren't, isn't enough light that uh, comes into the existing jail, now regulated by the state. Uh, and ADA 
is not met with um, the existing jail, and that would have to also be addressed. So there's uh, multiple reasons why, outside of that, structurally, it is um, also not, we're doing structural repairs all the time, HVAC systems, the the uh, water system, everything that um, structurally that's needed is needed in that jail. Are we talking about tear down and totally replace, or what would take the place of that um, Justice Center land over there on Lakeside in Ontario? Just leave it empty, or right. what? Well, the police station has already left. They're gone. It's vacant. Jail. They're gone. They're vacant. I think they may be using it on a temporary basis, but it's not fully occupied. Um, and what's left is Jail 1 and Jail 2 and the courthouse. So, yes, the big picture of how this would look is that everyone would vacate that building, and we would build then a new courthouse for the um, Justice Center, and then a separate jail would be built. And that was, we had a steering committee of mixed both with um, judges and, um, you know, a a mixture of of many different people Mm -hmm. that were involved in that steering committee. And they unanimously agreed that a new jail was needed and it would probably not be in the same site as the uh, new justice center, but the justice center needs to stay downtown. And that was pretty much in a thumbnail what the um, decisions were. But like I said, through this um, political environment, uh, it was an easy target to criticize. And we all felt that, you know, we're too close to the election. Let's get the new executive to roll up the sleeves, join us in this effort to um, figure out what's best for the citizens of Cuyahoga County and for the inmates that are occupying uh, that space and do the best we can in putting forth a good plan. The it seems like it's a safe bet that the whole jail thing will be put off until after election now, since we're less than a month away. Yes. Uh, but uh, I see the council is still taking action. They just uh, recently took some action on a West Shore Dispatch Center. What's that all about, and how much is that going to cost? And why do we need yeah, that? Well, right. Well, that's kind of exciting because that hits closer to home for me. Uh, my West Shore mayors, which is. Westlake, Rocky River, North Old Fitzgerald Park, and Bay Village have been deliberating among themselves of trying to bring not only fire, which we now have under one roof at St. John Medical Center, um, but they are also expanding it to police and fire. So they would like to put police and fire under one roof and dispatch the 911 call. Um, Right now, the place they're at at the St. John's Medical Center is not large enough. So they need to find another location. And you know how hard it is for mayors to all agree and police chiefs and fire chiefs to all agree. They have to play nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and to actually Mayor Lux would know that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm a little familiar. (laughs) Yes. And so, Nan, so just to clarify, um, when you're saying under one roof, you're talking about dispatch. Yes. Only. Dispatch. They will all still remain in their local police departments and fire departments. Yes. But dispatch yes, would will. be under one roof. Um, yes. And, and so, and that's, um, I'm sure studies have shown, and you tell me, that that's more cost efficient. 
yes, for, for everyone. More cost efficient, yes, but it also is uh, more of a united effort where if, in my case, if Bay Village needed assistance and Westlake was close, Westlake would go first. Whoever is the closest to the area of need, sure. that's the beauty of the dispatch center is that it, uh, it knows its communities. They're, you know, close enough that they understand the dynamics of, of what's needed and together both police and fire can share those resources and work together. So this, so I mean, we've, we always had, we always had mutual aid in North Royalton. Yes. So if something happened in North Royalton, uh, Broadview Heights would come and help us if we needed or Strongsville would come and help us if we needed. Um, so this you're saying is, uh, uh, a little more, um, a, a little more uh, structured, if, yes. organized. Well, yes, right. If if, if a if a uh, police officer was near the area of, and it's not in his city, he could be the first. He could be the first there. I mean, mutual aid absolutely is uh, something that we've always shared, and uh, and right. the fire. You know, you see all the police, all the fire engines there from all different cities. But when it comes to emergency, EMS services, mm-hmm. things like that, whoever is in patrol and whoever is closest would be the first. That's that's excellent. That's that's a that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah one one thing comes to mind with regard to sharing police resources, though, is that if you have some officer from another city who's closer to something in city B, that police officer doesn't really have authority in that other city uh, other than to come out and maybe just sort of assist in keeping the peace or directing traffic or something, right? Or do they? I think that, you know, yeah, I, I believe that they have the authority in an emergency to be able to handle what they need to handle. And of course, the other would be following. I mean, he would just, whoever is on the scene first. And it's really more for the EMS issues that come up that someone is in dire need. Right. Well, that's clear, yes. The assistance, yeah. Well, a different topic uh, in the last couple of moments we have here is the budget. We're always interested in all that money the county is dealing with. Uh, ARPA, can you tell us what is ARPA and how much money do we have in that? Yes. Well, you know, I have never lived in the years that I've been in office. I've never seen the amount of money that just kind of came to our budget, and the Cuyahoga County uh, is no exception. I mean, we received $240 million from the American Rescue Act plan, and that's what ARPA stands for. Um, and the city of Cleveland received $500 million, one city, $500 million um, to be spent. And, you know, we're doing our best on Cuyahoga County to make sure that all cities across the uh, whole county received something for relief from the pandemic that this money was intended to help. Um, my five districts, five cities in my district one received dollars such as lakefront improvements and Rocky River ran out of money because of the increased inflation of building their new jail and needed to complete that. And we were able to push them to the finish line with these ARPA dollars. Wow. Well, let's, let's hold that thought. We're going to take another break. 
And we'll be back with Nan Baker from the Cuyahoga County Council telling us about what's going on with all the money being spent and all the money that needs to be spent here in Cuyahoga County. Don't go away. You're listening to Kathy Lux and Nick Phillips here on WHK, the Advocate. Stay with us. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux with you. Kathy, how are you? Um, still? I'm still good. And Nan Baker's with us from the Cuyahoga County Council. Nan, thank you for joining us. And Nan, you're talking sure. about all that money that we got uh, in the county and what we're going to do with it. So I'm, I'm really interested to know. Yeah. How, yeah, how much is left? Um, you know, we have on our uh, Cuyahoga County Council website, we have an entire list of all the different projects. Everything is very transparent. In fact, all projects are introduced uh, for first reading on county council. It then is referred to committee, and then committee deliberates, goes back to county council for a second reading, and finally a third reading. All public, everyone could see it. You not only have live stream that you can watch, but it's also every single meeting, including committees, are um, taped, and you can watch it anytime from the YouTube channel. So all of it is, you know, very transparent. I want to make sure that I say that. And it is across the 11 county council member districts. So someone asked me about, is this a regional, you know, attempt? And I said, you can't get more regional than every single city across the mm-hmm. entire county mm-hmm. is touched. Is, is by, there still uh, is there still money to spend yet? There is. Um, you know, every... Uh, council member is discussing this with their mayors or organizations that have applied for dollars. So it's a, it's an ongoing effort. I, you know, I think that the money for the most part is accounted for, is, whether it is all spent yet, whether it depends on whether it gets approved. And that's the process we're in, we're in now. So, so Nan, so this is money that came to the county as relief for the pandemic, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did was is any of it helping all the businesses that were hurt so badly? Does yeah. any of it go to the businesses? It absolutely does. There's money put aside for um, those that are in need of loans, those that are in need of grants, um, those that uh, have perhaps workforce training that they're trying to improve their employee base. Uh, lots of money put aside for small businesses. I mean, I'm a small business owner, so that's exactly where I want to see those dollars. Absolutely. Yes, there is relief relief for that. Absolutely. And how do businesses know uh, how to reach out and how to get that help? What do they well, need do to know? Have, well, they can go to the Kyle County um, website, and it's you know pretty easy to kind of drill down as to what, funds are available given the ARPA dollars that were approved for that reason. Uh, we have an economic development um, division of our county that easily is, uh, you, you can call or email, lots of different ways for um, small businesses to know. Most businesses looking for dollars tend to know where to look. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about that, but it's been highly promoted and, um, you know, we have businesses all the time asking for grants or low-interest loans to uh, be able to get themselves back 
on their feet again. Oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's been a really rough time for small businesses, right. that's well, for well, sure. Real quick, we're almost out of time, but Nan, you're running for re-election. You're on the ballot this year for another term. How many years will that term be? Uh, well, the term, I will be on the ballot in November. Uh, the term is for four years. Uh, I currently have served six. I was appointed to this position for two years. And then on the ballot for four, and now this is a re-election for me. Yes, thank you for answering. Thanks for asking. Well, you're, you're quite well. Well, thank you for serving. I think anybody in politics these days should be commended. Absolutely. It's a rough job you have and a lot of responsibility. But uh, in any event, Nan Baker, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck in your election. Thank you, Nick and Kathy. Great talking to both of you. Thanks for allowing us uh, to thank, thank you, Nan. It's great talking with you. And, and yes. best wishes in the upcoming thank you. election. Thank you both. <laughs> Thank yeah, you so much. 20 more days, but who's counting? Who's there counting? you go. <laughs> that was Dan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council person, uh, and he's up for re-election, so get out there and vote, everybody. And uh, that's it for our show for tonight and today. So thank All you right. much, Kathy. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for being with us. We'll be back next week, see same time. Yeah, see you same next station. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Goodbye. In a dream Or in my drifting days After the war I found a tea room North of the Mozambique shore Worn Persian carpet On the sandwood floor Road-pointed slippers By the bamboo door On the wall A faded picture of a movie queen Torn from the pages Of some ancient magazine Dreaming parrot dreams And I sat and watched The Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.